Obviously a, a real strong panel with uh, years of logistics experience. Really excited to have you guys here with us today. Let's start out with the first question for, uh, for Cyril. Kind of over the last couple of years, what, what type of supply chain disruptions have occurred? Um, and, and is there really a, a strategic shift in how people are thinking about project logistics? So, um, what has changed? And we, we've all been uh, hearing about disruptions in the supply chain, especially in logistics over the last few years. Um, what we see as a major shift is, in the past, uh, uh, people like us used to run projects for our clients uh, where there were a lot of uh, unit rates that freight forwarders were comfortable in terms of fixing for a long term, right? Um, we've come to realize that it's not uh, uh, an ideal solution because that's primarily leaving a lot of risk in terms of the commercials on the freight forwarders, pretty much depriving them of the opportunity to manage projects well because they, they now need to focus on keeping the rate low. Um, so what we are seeing is now a strategic shift in terms of making sure that we are working on multiple formats. Now, multiple formats may be a cost plus model, in which case there would be issues in terms of how do we define cost, uh, how do we identify the right partner to work with and so on and so forth, or an index linked model, which also brings other challenges uh, into the fold. Um, so the whole landscape has shifted in a way uh, also from a fact that uh, a lot of our clients and the EPCs would not want to fix rates when the rates are at, a, at an extremely high level. What has not changed is the number of people who are allocated to the project. So when we are looking at a, a format or a model which involves a lot more of engagement with the market and adjustments of the rates and going to the market on a spot basis and so on and so forth, um, it becomes extremely critical to have the tech piece in place, just making sure that the flow of information from the uh, ERP softwares, which EPCs operate or the clients have, and so on and so forth, into a platform uh, which can then be distributed to the stakeholders in the market and consolidate the results and the feedback and the solutions we have and use those to further optimize the, uh, the shipments and the way we do business. I think that's a very critical piece uh, which has changed. And I can only guess that the acceleration has only started and it would gain uh, significant pace in the next few few years. Exactly. Yasser, from, from uh, Petrofax perspective, how have things changed over the last couple of years and what's the shift in logistics uh, kind of overall philosophy, would you say? Thank you. Uh, obviously, the past couple of years were uh, extraordinary and special in its nature due to uh, the pandemic and the well-known reasons uh, globally. Uh, breakdown in the supply chain, uh, increase in the freight cost, uh, high volume of uh, uh, ad hoc uh, RFQs or spot, uh, spot shipments, etc. We as an EPC, like any other <coughs> industry in the oil and gas, uh, as a, uh, from a client's perspective, uh, we've been hit hard by uh, this uh, shift in the market and the current condition of the market. And uh, therefore, we had to really be agile and quick in uh, turning, uh, looking into solutions, let's say, to uh, uh, minimize the damage or its more or less uh, uh, damage control uh, scenario and <laughs> capitalize on the opportunities that are available in the market, making good out of a bad situation, more or less, as uh, much as we can uh, within the capacity that we have uh, as an EPC when it comes down to the logistics uh, part of the uh, full supply chain for an EPC contractor. Um, so uh, w what happened is uh, we, we've been, um, uh, uh, let's say, experiencing high volume 
of uh, inquiries uh, coming on a fast track turnaround, uh, reacting and firefighting instead of actually, uh, as it used to be uh, before, at least uh, do uh, planning. And uh, as, a, as a logistics team within a, a supply chain uh, for uh, oil and gas uh, companies, we are not prepared in terms of uh, resources uh, for uh, or uh, platforms uh, for uh, for such a market condition. And um, uh, talking about uh, platforms, uh, this has it was an, an eye opener of how can we streamline our process to be always prepared and may open the door uh, for a new strategy uh, going forward because we don't believe that the traditional way of executing logistics will be the same as the future going forward. I think there has been a drastic change uh, during this uh, pandemic, which is an eye-opener for all uh, EPCs in general or uh, clients uh, in particular uh, for uh, how we're going to orchestrate our logistics in the future. Of course, uh, you will still need to um, uh, manage the, con uh, the context of a logistics part of a supply chain, so you don't want to grow the business uh, to become another freight forwarding inside a company. The freight forwarders have their jobs, but we need to introduce new strategies, and we need to be internally better prepared, in a sense, for logistics being now uh, on the high priority as well uh, for uh, all uh, the, for the supply chain in general, uh, being prepared to analyze data and uh, have a quick turnaround uh, uh, out of queues or inquiries in the market that could materialize to serve still the project uh, schedule and be more uh, cost effective. Excellent. Thanks guys. I think one of the things that's happened, I guess, with EPCs over the last few years is that traditionally you've worked with mostly um, kind of fixed rate contracts. And as the market shifts have happened, I guess, uh, Cyril, have you seen a trigger or any kind of shifting in terms of uh, how EPCs look at fixed rate versus spot rate pricing? What, what's your perspective on that? Again, I guess it would depend on who you talk to. There are some EPCs who are more comfortable with the lump sum environment, some EPCs who are more comfortable with the uh, with a, with a cost reimbursable environment. Uh, in certain cases, uh, the philosophy of the prime contract would also trickle down to the next level, right, in terms of how freight forwarders are approached. Now, from an EPC perspective, uh, two things need to be taken into account. One, on a fixed rate contract, does it make sense? for both parties in terms of engaging in a fixed rate contract and uh, or is an, another contract format a better solution right now. Um, what we need to take into account is the number of people who are assigned to handling logistics, that mindset has not shifted, right? So we now need to potentially manage a large complex project with a resource pool of maybe five people or two people depending on what is allocated to it um, with a new format which means it is extremely important that the people, the logistics professionals who are assigned to manage the project are managing a project and not doing clerical work and not just sending, sending out inquiries and doing the bit taps and so on and so forth, right? So from all these perspectives, uh, those changes would logically flow into the need to pull out the clerical work to start capturing more data, to do a better estimation in the, in the future and so on and so forth. So, so I guess, um, uh, the short answer is uh, the formats are changing. It is still fluid. We have a roundtable tomorrow uh, to kind of discuss the changing formats and so on and so forth. So we need to see how this all converges and how this becomes a sensible thing. Uh, 
and I also need to kind of, it's a little off topic, but I need to link it to something else. Um, one of the discussions we're having tomorrow is in, in terms of the talent gap we have in the industry, right? Not too many people are coming into the project freight forwarding side right. uh, to match the pace of people moving out of the <laughs> space, right? Whether these are retirements or moving to other industries or not wanting to deal with the volatility and all. Hence, it is all the more important to have uh, tech play a significantly larger role in terms of how we manage a business, irrespective of how the contracting format would, would, would end up being. Understand. I guess, Yasser, from Petrofac's perspective, are you, are you seeing a shift or is there you know, further requirements kind of to meet the market dynamics from a technology perspective? And what are you guys looking at in terms of how to improve your overall logistics process from a tech perspective? Uh, fr from a tech perspective uh, or uh, the uh, general uh, situation now in, in, uh, for, uh, for logistics, uh, I think we need to keep up. I think uh, logistics industry in general are way behind in terms of technology and uh, uh, digitization. And, and this uh, obviously uh, we, we're behind to catch up with the market trend in general, which obviously have its own added value. Or, or else uh, many industry won't be adopting or adapting uh, new platforms and uh, try to digitize the, their process. So there, there are the known uh, added value for any digitizing in the, uh, in the process. I think uh, from an EPC in particular, then, uh, what, we, uh, what we are uh, maybe looking for is uh, uh, a platform that can be integrated with a full uh, EPC process. So, uh, we have, uh, I mean, Petrofac has uh, greatly invested in the digitization and starting obviously as an engineering and procurement uh, construction company started, uh, uh, start the focus starts from the engineering perspective, which is a massive, massive work that absorbs a lot of uh, details and analysis to get to a platform that ser serves you uh, the, uh, the best. And uh, the, the, the ball continues to roll down into the procurement and then eventually uh, material management and construction. So where do we fall as logistics? We fall within the supply chain at the uh, end uh, part of the supply chain to deliver before the material management. And of course, it's a crucial part and a very important part because it impacts the schedule of uh, the, uh, the site progression uh, or the site progress uh, schedule. So uh, we, we need to look at these things uh, from an EPC lens. Uh, what are we looking for? We want uh, somehow an independent platform that can also have the fl flexibility to be integrated with a, a full uh, platform that is existent already in-house, built or uh, acquired from a third party uh, for uh, the full uh, cycle from the engineering all the way to uh, the construction. And uh, this integration in terms of reporting and uh, cost analysis, uh, uh, data analysis, collecting the data, needs to be also part of the full cycle. We cannot be independent. Um, now, what we've seen, we've seen so many platforms that are, uh, whether uh, uh, they're in-house built by freight forwarder or they're using the uh, off-the-shelf material, which is not necessarily designed for an EPC or even the data and the information are categorized in such a way that uh, speaks to the EPC language. Uh, we have so many stakeholders internally and uh, they're uh, not experts in logistics. They, they're looking for specific information and that is sufficient for them. So uh, uh, added to this is the life monitoring, which 
we spend a lot of effort uh, only internally uh, with, the, with many stakeholders just to communicate what's the progress of, of a certain shipment. So uh, to have a tracker that is transparent, run by a third party, not necessarily the same LSP platform, right. which others usually do, is uh, I think is, is quite beneficial. Uh, as long as it meets and ticks the box for uh, the other criteria, the very important criteria like integrating with the in-house uh, built uh, systems uh, for uh, the EPC overall. Right, so like ERP systems, things like that. Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. Ad Adolf, what's your perspective on kind of EPCs face a lot of challenges internally, kind of culturally, to adopt new technology that uh, Cyril and Yasser mentioned. What's your perspective, given your kind of experience in the logistics space, on what's required for EPCs to really kind of help adopt new things and new thinking? Sure. So I think one of the most fundamental objectives that any technology solution needs to work towards is making sure that it solves a problem. This is fundamental. Uh, Technology should not be introduced just for the sake of being trendy and digitizing or things like that, right? And if you want to make an impact and solve a problem, it's key to recognize who the stakeholders are within an organization when it comes to the execution of complex projects. And what we've found through this journey is that these stakeholders are well outside of supply chain. As we all know, supply chain is basically an internal service group within the organization. They're serving, say, the project managers, they're serving the project directors, they're serving the customer for whom the project is being undertaken. And the key with technology is to actually make sure that you are making that technology appealable and attractive to those various stakeholders. So that's fundamental. So, the whole concept of building technology around personas is critical. So you may have one solution, it may be let's say an end-to-end -end platform, and it has to fundamentally do a few things. Number one is, as Yasser correctly pointed out, it has to have the ability to integrate seamlessly in a non-intrusive manner with existing systems. You have to do that, because if there are systems for engineering, if there are systems for material management, if there are systems for planning, those are not going to go away magically, even if you bring one end-to-end -end solution. But you have to ingest data from these different sources and push it out. So that's one fundamental key. But the second thing is, let's say if a project manager cares about the scheduling piece of right, logistics, right. then the solution needs to make sure that it caters to his or her needs in that respect. If, let's say, a project controller cares about the cost aspect of a project, then you need to make sure that the platform is delivering that so that they have the visibility into costs, the accrual of costs and things like that. If somebody from say, Cyril or Yasser's group needs to be able to go out and let's say get spot rates or have the ability to use rate contracts, then the solution should solve their problem. It needs to make it easier for them. If let's say uh, in the project logistics business as an example, when contracts are negotiated, these are monster contracts, thousands and thousands of line items. How do you make sure that the person who's approving the invoice at the end of the life cycle of these shipments are not stuck with a mountain of invoices, right? So how do you solve that problem? So this is a fundamental approach of how you need to bring technology into a business for the right reasons, with the right touch points, 
solving the right problems and making it appealable to the right stakeholders. Let's shift to uh, the, the whole idea of digitalization within your companies. Back to you, Cyril, on the, on the floor side, is there a, a big push internally for more digitalization across the business and what are you guys trying to look at in terms of some of the future projects to, to get there? Yeah, so there is a significant push in terms of digitalization which started uh, a few years ago. Um, so again, like any, uh, let's say, logical digitalization initiative, uh, one way to do it would be to do try and solve all the problems in one shot. Uh, the other way to do it would be to try and solve logical problems step by step, right? So, so we've come a long way in terms of digitalizing a lot of our internal processes and, and activities. Uh, but we also take, a co take cognizance of the fact that uh, there is still a long way to go, not just for us, for anybody right. to, to get to an optimal uh, solution, right? Uh, I think key to the whole uh, concept of digitalization, what we feel is, uh, and, and I, I limit myself to, to logistics, right? It, it kind of, the digitalization impact and the need comes from, from various sources, right? We need to have access uh, to our data, understand our cargo, for example, if, uh, if, if engineering tells me that they need to ship 200,000 dia inches of pipe spools from point A to point B, or uh, 20,000 linear meters of 24-inch dia pipes from uh, point A to point B, um, we need to first have the intelligence of what this means in terms of cargo, right? Um, so that doesn't happen in a constructive and uh, efficient manner unless we are in the discipline of capturing the data upfront analyzing this, converting that into organizational intelligence, and then using that for moving forward and doing it. So the estimation bit is a large focus in terms of how we do, uh, let's say, a, a seamless journey into the digitalization. Once we've done the estimation right, then the execution bit is where we do, uh, we're looking forward to a lot more orchestration in terms of making sure all the all the parties are coming together. And these could be internal stakeholders, the silos which exist within the supply chain or the external stakeholders that you just mentioned. It could also be, uh, let's say, partners. Because now, one thing which we need to keep in mind is our, the projects are also getting bigger, right? Uh, right. Earlier, a two billion, five billion dollar project was considered to be a mega project. Now, these are 20, 25, you know, uh, larger projects which, which are coming to the market. When you talk about these projects, it is very seldom that you have a single EPC working on it. So you will have a consortium of multiple EPCs working on it. And multiple EPCs mean multiple systems, multiple ways of doing this. How are you able to extract information from multiple platforms which reside in multiple formats and right. in multiple terminologies, bring them all together, and, and then trickle it down into a language which the people can understand and is meaningful for them to take some action from, from there. Right? So, the digitalization effect, I, I, effort, uh, not just in Floor, but in pretty much all the EPCs, I think this would be a continued journey uh, where uh, I'm hoping that the future would hold a situation where uh, we are able to optimize more and more what we are doing in terms of how we, how we manage our business and you know, culminate in a stage where we try and eliminate waste as much as we can. Excellent. I guess, Yasser, what, what is uh, Petrofac's perspective overall on dig digitalization, how the market has shifted, and what are you guys thinking about internally as you go forward for additional projects to try to be more nimble in your technology kind of pursuits? Um, uh, internally, as I uh, mentioned earlier, we're investing uh, greatly uh, as Petrofac, uh, whether it's the in-house team interacting with also 
uh, other uh, platforms, developers, uh, to, uh, uh, to digitize as much as possible from, uh, the, our process from engineering all the way down to uh, the material uh, management for, uh, again, an uh, obvious added value for any, uh, when digitizing any, uh, any process, uh, uh, especially in this era. Um, so, um, uh, for, uh, within, within logistics, as I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, recently it's been, uh, it's highlighted the importance of logistics, of course, because of the increase in the freight uh, market, uh, the lack of availability, the impact that this could have onto the uh, final leg of execution. And uh, uh, this has uh, alerted the top uh, management, uh, from whether it's from the client side or whether it's from uh, internally, where uh, they want to understand more uh, what's going on. They're asking for more reporting. They're asking for more information and more education precisely on the logistics uh, of what's going on, because this is obviously uh, is, uh, is part of the supply chain, but the impact of it is, uh, again, it's a, it's a chain, so the impact goes all the way. So now, uh, uh, as I mentioned, we're, uh, we're uh, putting a lot of effort for uh, a couple of in-house uh, uh, built or ERP uh, to develop this to cater for better services or better reporting mechanisms that we as Petrofac and Logistics can provide for our stakeholders. There is the leg also, there is also a limit of how much do we want to invest uh, in it and how much we want to develop it. Uh, and of course, uh, depending on the products available in the market, uh, whether this could be an option or do we choose eventually to continue, uh, uh, we, we need to explore these uh, options uh, where we can custom make the uh, reporting mechanism, shifting from the manual reporting, capturing uh, data, more data, because we have more interested stakeholders now, uh, uh, to provide them this uh, information and the transparent, uh, uh, transparently right. give them visibility or, uh, across uh, the whole logistics uh, cycle. And, uh, and this is what we are now investing, our, uh, putting lots of effort internally, uh, seeing what we can develop internally, uh, categorizing what sort of information and how do we want it. We want, of course, uh, there is a big part uh, talking about uh, the uh, operation, uh, live operations monitoring, yeah. which, as I mentioned earlier, uh, and uh, also Adolf has touched on it, there are, uh, from an EPC perspective, there are so many st stakeholders. In one project, you're reporting to the PD, to the PM, to the cost control. Everyone wants a specific piece of information, right. which we need to be able to provide them. If we find something that actually can uh, uh, accommodate all these requests and yet is flexible and give you an operational uh, life monitoring, uh, you can minimize this uh, manual interaction and manual reporting and have a standard platform that any stakeholder, if he wishes to uh, obtain any sort of information, he can go immediately on that platform and, uh, and uh, uh, extract uh, the information that are relevant to his uh, task. And uh, for us, of course, uh, uh, we, it will uh, streamline our, uh, our process to an end where it serves logistics within that supply chain in particular. Excellent. I guess back to you, Adolf, when you think about kind of end-to-end -end kind of order life cycle management and what all these, all these big shippers and LSPs and EBCs generally are trying to do going forward, there's been a lot of discussion in the market about you know, uh, the use of TMSs and visibility platforms and people are using a lot of different things, talking about a lot of the same things. What do you think is needed in, in, within the ecosystem to help some of these companies to better streamline data, 
the way Yasser was referring to. Sure. So I think one of the most fundamental things to, to sort of recognize in the project logistics space is that there are two core things happening in the process of executing projects. There are many peripheral things. But one is the product which needs to move from wherever it is procured to wherever it needs to be installed and commissioned for the completion of the project. So that's one movement that is taking place. And that's complex, and all of you guys who are here have an appreciation for the complexity associated with moving that kind of big, nasty, ugly uh, cargo, right? But the other piece which is happening is the movement of data. Data is moving from different sources at the same time. Now historically, this movement of data has been very, very fragmented because it's either some parts of the transaction are happening in an ERP system, some are happening in a material management system, some may be happening in a homegrown system. A lot of it is happening, let's say, in freight forwarder systems and multiple forwarders are used. Some of it is in no system at all because let's say you're using a local custom broker or a local trucker, they don't have any technology. So when you start looking at the problem, the problem is, is around the movement of data. Now when you start looking at the solutions which have been in play up to this point, if you look at how different companies have approached it, some have approached it in terms of literally just throwing resources at it and literally filling up spreadsheets and getting data from different sources and making those spreadsheets available to the organization, right? Project managers, uh, management, senior management people, supply chain logistics people, that's been one approach. Others have taken an approach to, to build something homegrown, to sort of solve the problem. It's quite shocking how much SharePoint is used as an example to solution and do that. But then there are other systems which have been built not for project logistics. So when you look at conventional transportation management systems, whether these are systems which are brought to the forefront by the traditional ERP players, or whether they are standalone transportation management systems, with utmost respect, I'll say this, they're not built for the complexity of project logistics. And then when you look at, let's say the systems which have been traditionally built on the freight forwarder side, right. They're built for a different purpose. They are not built with project management as a perspective. And as Cyril correctly pointed out, today projects are getting so complex. We're talking with one of the LNG project owners in North America, wherein they're saying that we have this one project which has three EPCs who are executing the project. Each EPC has their own suppliers. They have their own logistics providers. How do we, as a project owner, bring this all together? And really what they're looking at is the data coming together. So therefore, when you look at the solutioning side, I think it's important to understand firstly that there is no silver bullet. The industry is, is taking its baby steps towards moving towards that and you know, these gentlemen here are pioneers in that respect where they're <laughs> recognizing the need to bring technology in. And now you've got to sort of partially work around co-developing that technology so that it meets your needs. There's so much of intelligence and experience, say, within these two organizations. No tech company or service provider in the world will ever have anything comparable. So you're gonna to have to extract that knowledge and experience, co-develop along the way, and graduate to a point where that technology now comes in and caters to those needs. So the fundamental message here is that 
you got to invest. Companies have to invest to find the solution. And I think when you take that kind of a collaborative approach with a technology partner right. who brings in the domain expertise, brings in the technology, the ability to build it out, and the forward thinking approach, that's where the solutions come in. So the solutions don't lie in, oh, let's go to that TMS which has been around for 10 years, or let's not go to that, let's go to that ERP which has been around for 20 years. The solution's not there. You have to build towards it. That's <laughs> exciting, exciting times. I, well, I want to shift, obviously, uh, being here in the Netherlands, I want to talk more about sustainability and carbon emissions and things like that. I want to get a sense, I think, from the floor perspective, from Cyril, you know, what are you guys seeing in terms of pressure to be much more environmentally sustainable with your projects and kind of overall, what's your perspective on, on that for the industry? The industry stakeholders and, and as Fluor, uh, we, we also talk to, through industrial, to, through other forums with, uh, uh, with our clients and with uh, competitors and with partners and so on and so forth. Um, when it comes to sustainability part, everybody's talking about this, but then there is, at this point of time, there is no concrete uniform or unified action item in terms of, okay, this is how we are going to track, record and reward what people are doing in terms of uh, being sustainable. Um, we had a round table yesterday um, uh, in which we discussed that, at least on the container side, there is some, let's say, loosely defined industry standard. Right. It is not there on the brake bulk side yet, which is what we are trying to develop. Uh, a lot of the clients or the owners are not expecting the EPCs and the EPCs are not expecting the freight forwarders and the freight forwarders are not expecting the shipping lines to report emissions and carbon footprint at this point of time. But it's just a question of time before it comes, right? So we'll give it maybe maximum three to five years before which it becomes an industry standard that you cannot even bid for a project unless you, you give an advanced visibility on what is your scope three emission uh, looking like, right? Right. Um, now, Knowing that we will get to that stage, and there are, there are no two ways of looking at it, we will get to that stage where uh, not only would it be important in terms of winning business, uh, it is also going to be important in terms of how you manage your business, how you execute your projects, because then the credits would be involved, then your ratings would be involved. There's a whole industry which is growing around sustainability, right? Um, so I think it is important at this point of time to take cognizance of the fact that this is the direction in which it is heading, and have industry standards developed first, and then once these standards are developed, make sure that the uh, solutions which are out there also incorporate and are able to extract data which are reported by the shipping lines, uh, compare it with the formula which has been developed, look at what you've shipped in terms of the volumes, in terms of the nautical miles traveled, in terms of the fuel which the ship has consumed, in terms of fuel efficiency of the engines, and so on and so forth, and start reporting more accurate uh, carbon footprint uh, measurements uh, as we go along. So, so I think this is a shift which is happening. I don't know if, uh, I mean, there are certainly systems available which use a preset number per trade lane to say, okay, I, if I consider X metric ton uh, for so many nautical miles per TEU, right, that is reported. But, uh, but I think we are still a long way away from uh, having a transparent, um, system which can be relied upon in terms of uh, proper, uh, meaningful reporting on carbon footprint, but it is coming. That's right, that's right. And Yasha, I guess from Petrofac's perspective, do you have any other thoughts on, on the carbon emissions subject or sustainability in general? Uh, but, I mean, uh, I can't add much to what Cyril has mentioned. Uh, we, we're in the same pot, more or less, uh, yeah. in a sense of uh, what uh, demands are coming from the client. 
The only thing I can uh, add is probably working uh, with uh, uh, clean energy projects and clean energy yeah. clients. One of their main KPIs is uh, tell us how much uh, carbon uh, footprint and emission are you going to burn to execute my clean energy project. So uh, there, there are lots of uh, lots more of emphasis, and uh, we, we've been we've already started uh, working on uh, uh, with a few partners to, uh, uh, to, uh, to explore how we can capture this data right. and uh, provide it to uh, our clients. And it's going to be part of the KPIs and part of the requirements. And uh, soon uh, we will see it in the RFQs where uh, each uh, service provider have to tell us also how we can save. Um, uh, on the emission and how can we provide this data and report it to us and we in, in return we have to report it to our client and we have our own internal KPIs right now is driven purely by our company where we have to also uh, uh, show our contribution of reducing the uh, carbon uh, footprint and the emission uh, uh, for executing our part as logistics uh, part of the supply chain. The way we, we're viewing a shift in the industry is that as logisticians for the longest time when we've looked at solutions around mobilizing product equipment etc we have typically looked at two factors one is cost and time that's really what drives most of the decisions we are getting to a point where the third parameter which is going to come in is the carbon footprint that is being created associated with that shipment. And if you see what's happening with the airline industry today, some of the airlines, when you actually go and you look to book a ticket and you look at the route, so they obviously tell you, you pick your origin destination, direct, indirect, but they start telling you now cost, they tell you time, and they tell you the carbon footprint. So they have already moved forward in that particular industry. Now it can be argued that it's far simpler to calculate carbon footprint there, as compared to the complexity of project logistics. But that's the future. It is going to happen. The trend has already started. But I think when you, when you look at one of the biggest challenges that companies have with their ability to report on their carbon footprint, and I'll let Yasser and Cyril comment on this, is that the data is not in one place. Because as your product moves across the planet, you have different providers who are involved in moving Absolutely. it, right? And not everyone who is involved in that movement has the sophistication or the technology right. to even be able to capture that carbon footprint. What happens if you're using uh, a trucker in a remote part of the world? Where are you going to get a carbon footprint from? Not going to happen, right? So the importance of actually bringing the end-to-end -end transactions onto a single platform is critical because today sustainability is sort of it is I wouldn't say it's optional I think the pressure is is coming on corporations to do it there'll come a stage where it will be like what happened to compliance yep. in our industry 25 years ago we didn't think about compliance right? it's just you did your business the way you did it and there came a stage where it was log jammed and if you didn't get your compliance in order you can do business right the same thing is going to happen with the carbon footprint side. Yep. And I think the, the mindset around how do we bring everything onto one platform, how do we manage our data, how do we cater to the scope three, that's the challenge. Companies are struggling 
with reporting their scope three because that is so distributed and technology is really going to be that enabler for it. Right. Well, to play on that a little bit more, I know that uh, the D2Log as a business has, has worked very closely with the EBC community to build the platform out and make it more robust and just generally more scalable for larger kind of mega projects. What's your perspective on that in terms of, you know, how you've built out the platform and how's that, how that can really help EBCs with larger, again, mega projects that are out there? Sure. So, the way we, we look at the, the world of, say, project logistics is that there is a certain commonality of process, irrespective of which company you work with, whether it's the EPC, whether it's the forwarders, the large forwarders or the smaller uh, service providers who are supporting this project, there's a certain degree of commonality, and then there is a certain degree of variability based by company, right? Because there's certain processes, certain things which are done in certain companies. So the way we've approached building the technology is that let's build it wherein it becomes common to the general process once you've understood that process, and then you leave the configurability in the technology wherein you can adapt. Right. So let's say if Floor says in our business, okay, these are common steps, but these are unique to Floor. The ability to roll those into the solution so that it then fits well into what is Floor's model. Or similarly, Petrofac, where they may have certain unique processes, how things right. are done, whether it's, sometimes it could be as simple as a naming convention, right, for something. So how do you build that configurability? So that's how we've tried to approach the technology, is build the common commonality factors, allow the configurability, but the key is to actually co-develop along with the EPC. Exactly. Right? Wherein you actually come in, you bring the, you, you have to bring a mature product. You can't bring a half-baked product. That's right. So you bring a mature product, but then the, the maturation of that product happens wherein you co-develop. Yeah, if the system has to be, uh, the, the platform has to be flexible. Correct. Continues to be flexible and Consistency, continuity in the market is also yeah. quite important because you're collecting all of these data, uh, data. You're working side by side with an EPC to develop your platform. Yep. And the more legs and the more functionality your platform will have, the more added value that probably would justify the yes. dollar value against what you are investing in if it's going to be uh, a platform you acquire from the market. Uh, whether it's an in-house uh, investment that you put on your resources to build your uh, uh, existing uh, ERP or platforms to cater for this information. And the flexibility, as you mentioned, is quite important because also every stakeholders today will uh, we're probably looking for a different uh, set yeah. of information that you haven't covered for. So Absolutely. how much can you develop to cater for all of these options and configure it, as you say, with the, within the existing platforms that the NEPC are using. Great point, and I think part of the, uh, what has to be achieved, and this is what we've done is, if, if we go back to ERP implementations, and I'm not throwing any ERP under the bus, okay? I'm just, uh, I'm just and they have a, a very specific purpose and they do certain things really well. But if you think about ERPs, when you've implemented ERPs with your companies, if you needed a change, Think about it, if you needed a change, you need a configuration to be done. It takes weeks to get the change order approved. And then it takes months to get it deployed. So by the time if somebody in, in Yasser's team said, hey, I need this done as a feature, if it's going to take six or nine months to deliver that, it, you're, you're killing the enthusiasm 
of core development within an organization. So the approach that we've taken is that we do two-week releases. So every two weeks, we are making enhancements to the system based on the inputs or feedback that we get from an APC. Now, obviously every feature can't be built in two weeks, but certain features can be. Some take a little longer time. But the path that we have taken is that if a user says, hey, okay, this is the process you have, but I need this, or this is going to really help our company or this particular project, you can't take nine months to deliver that. <laughs> you have to be able to deliver that quick. So that speed of movement is one thing we've been focused on. But the second piece which Yasser brought up is critical. There are existing systems in every organization. If any technology comes in and becomes too invasive into that technology, or the ability to ingest data from that system or push data to that system becomes a mega IT project, you're going to fail. Indeed. Right. right? So you have, we've taken an approach of building technology which is conceptualized around digital twinning. So an ERP has its place, a material management system has its place, a warehouse management system has its place, but you bring data from these sources through very in easy ingestion techniques, put it together, bundle it in the right place, and then allow the execution of transactions. So it's a combination of all of these approaches that we've taken. the last piece of the puzzle that, continue, uh, that uh, continues the full cycle, yeah. really, that what you are uh, looking for as an uh, EPC. And I, I can't agree more. Uh, um, the, you know, traditionally, when you look at um, the risk with disjointed systems, and uh, many comp most companies would have systems which are specifically meant for specific purposes, like you said, which are connected to each other. Right. But you know, in principle, they are built in in isolation, and they they are right. expected to work together. Right. Um, the amount of money which is um, which is thrown down the drain uh, by not just the EPCs, by pretty much everybody, because it, they're not able to optimize this part and yeah. this part and this part together so that the end product is, uh, is different. There are, uh, sil because of the silo mentality, I, I would want to optimize, keep my logistics cost minimal. Okay, I can keep my logistics cost minimal uh, if I ship everything in maybe in containers or uh, yeah, and so on and so forth. But then my construction goes, cost goes up, <laughs> right? So, so all these have to kind of uh, link together in an ecosystem where, at the end of the day, there is somebody sitting at the top who has a PNL responsibility, right. Right. who has a budget responsibility, and they need to be able to look at the bigger picture based on the information which is collected from here, 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 consolidated together, made into a story or a yeah. picture, and say, for me, I want to air freight this because it it, it uh, reduces a million dollars uh, at the construction site. So I think from from all those perspectives, uh, you know, there is a lot of value that we see in, uh, in in having a concept that works. Excellent. Well, I just want to obviously thank uh, thank Yasser and Cyril and Adol for taking the time today. Uh, we are going to be probably over time producing uh, some more podcasts on some of the thought leadership we talked about today with more details. I have a series of questions we didn't even get to, so uh, a big, big subjects to talk through, and we're excited to do that again going going forward soon. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thanks guys, thank you, yes, sir. thank you. Sir.